Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, welcome to series two of the ultimate TV podcast, Soap from the Box, the show that goes behind the scenes of some of the country's biggest television dramas. I'm Lee Salisbury and I directed all of the soaps for over 10 years and I've done this podcast to speak to some of the biggest stars of television just for you. There are two episodes every single Sunday this series so make sure you listen to the other one but my first guest this week is a huge star. She's always making headlines. She's a fighter and she wanted to do this podcast to give her side of the story. Enjoy. Right, I am so excited for my next guest. She started her showbiz career by modelling for Asda at the age of seven. She went on to launch Next Children's Fashion Wear and was the face of High Street store, Tammy Girl. At 11, she appeared as an extra on EastEnders roller skating across Albert Square. At the time, the local paper printed, who knows, one day she may be the show's star. And from 1990, she certainly was that. A career and a spotlight in the press that's been a bit like, I suppose, a roller coaster at Alton Towers. But this girl is one of the strongest fighters I know, also gorgeous and talented and lovely. Daniela Westbrook, hi. Hello, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Um, Do you know what? I'm absolutely amazing. I feel amazing. Which is so brilliant to hear. And first of all, though, we have to go, we have to say, I didn't even know this about you, the Asda Next Tammy Girl. I mean, that's that's kind of cool. Yeah, I did. It was cool. You know, it was Emma Bunton and I launched. Oh, really? Um, yeah, we launched Next in Kensington High Street with our two little brothers. We did the catwalk um, and all that stuff. And it was when Next launched and that was their first flagship store. Wow. And because if you think how fashion's moved on, I suppose now, the fact that it kind of went bigger and bigger and bigger didn't it and now obviously but you know what it was 80s and it was um massive great big fergie bows big crimped hair we had um and we walked down this catwalk and we had all stonewashed denim and stuff on and things just and, and the luminous colors so like a bit like stuff that things kids wear these days to festivals and different things and i see my daughter go out and stuff and i think i remember i used to have stuff like that yeah i remember being at school and all the girls were going mad for tammy girl <laughs> yeah tammy girl and i used to do um my guy and all those sort of photo photo story magazines and, oh, you know my guy yeah looking yeah i used to do all that sort my of stuff god so <laughs> anyway well the idea of the podcast is not to talk about uh Asda, but to talk about eastenders and obviously hollyoaks that you're known for and then to talk a bit about you and i always start okay. a memorable moment between us and i remember first meeting you i think it was one of your last stints at eastenders 2009 ish it uh, certainly was 
And I basically came to do, I mean, God, coming in with a bang to do Peggy's kind of leaving and um, everything around then. And I just remember, I mean, going in, going, right, I'm just about to meet the Mitchells because obviously there was <laughs> Peggy, Ronnie, Roxy and you. And I mean, you wouldn't know how it's that's so almost terrifying because I mean, you must basically it must be amazing to be part of history and to be probably in the biggest family that's ever going to be in EastEnders. Do you know what someone said to me the other day that your Mitchells are the matriarchs of the of the um of, of Albert Square and I'm like wow because I just think I think the Brandons and the Slaters are big families also but you know when I went to EastEnders 16 years old it was just Phil and Grant and yeah. then they brought me in and then a few years later when I well about 18 months later when Ricky and Sam ran off to get married we brought in the lovely Joe Warner's Peggy Mitchell um and then that didn't quite work out and then and Ross and Steve and, and, and you know rallied 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 to get Barbara Windsor because she was just like the ultimate at, you know the East End, the Queen of the East End. I've always called Bar and oh, yeah, she was meant to be and stuff. She? I, yeah, remember, I, mean, I don't know whether this is true, right. You can clear this up. Well, you might not know, but I remember on the Big Breakfast, like she co-presented with Chris Evans, and they kind of started a campaign to get her on East Enders. I don't know whether that did actually hold any weight in the end. I think it kind of did, but I think Ross and Stevie, Stevie and Ross got out there and just you know just was like, listen, you know, because they do give us such such great. Um, free reigners, you know, at EastEnders, you know, like yeah. Patsy Palmer cast the little girl that played her daughter, Maisie. Yeah, who's now obviously. Patsy was part of the casting production. She helped pick Maisie years and years ago, and she was just a little girl when she when Bianca came back. Um, and, and I'm sure you'll talk to Patsy and she'll she'll relay this story back. But EastEnders are very good at giving us um, quite a good free reign of of um, of. of you know, people to come in and, and bedding in. So we got like the last final say when it was down, but we really pushed for Barbara Windsor. And when we got her, it was like we'd won the World Cup. Oh, you know, it's going to be And then, and then from Barbara came Ronnie and Roxy, and then they come along. Well, from them, Billy, we had Billy Mitchell. Yeah, um, and Jay, Poor and obviously Billy. we had Ben. We had little Ben, who's changed about six hundred different people. Yeah, no, um, he has, yeah. Yeah, but no, guys, but just the Mitchells. I, I mean, I think yeah, that you're right. The Slaters are really, but I just think there's something about the because every you're right that the matriarchs. Every character could be like a matriarch. Do you know what I mean it's that kind of? Yeah, we have the possibility to be, and also we had the lovely, lovely Larry Lamb play Uncle Archie, which was just amazing. Played the girl's dad, Ronnie and Roxy's dad, and who ended up marrying my mum. It's meant to be my dad's brother. Yeah, um, and, and still one of the probably the biggest storylines I've ever done, wasn't it? That I, I've, I've said yeah, who killed Archie. Yeah, I remember. Were you there for the actual who killed him? Yeah, because I was in the frame who killed Archie. Yeah, I was one, you, of the, one of the people. I've told this story before. Do you remember Lacey on the night of the live and she couldn't speak? She yeah, because none of us knew. <laughs> yeah. Yep, none of us knew until the day. And and then um, obviously we, we there were a few different endings and none of us knew. So it was a big one, yeah. I remember you coming in. It was when Barbara was going. It was before I left to go and do Dance on Ice. Yeah, and you were the ones, because I always say this on the podcast, EastEnders was the soap I used to watch when I was young. Do you know what I mean? So meeting everyone like you. Sure. But that's why I always say all the people that I was dreading meeting. Do you know what I mean? I was shocked by, ha! I always remember being shocked by Pam St. Clement just because she was posh. <laughs> Yes, she's very posh, but she's a wonderful actress, darling. Wonderful. I was always, and I've said this before, always shocked by Lacey because you know when someone's so good, you expect them they might be a bit difficult, and I couldn't believe how no, nervous. She's not she? No, how nervous and vulnerable I suppose she was, and just like I was like just a lovely kid. Yeah, she doesn't know how amazing she is. But let's go back to the beginning then. So you were age sixteen when you joined, as we said, as Phil and Ross, younger sister Sam, and your first episode. Sam. Sam aired in July 1990, which is, God, quite incredible. What's that? 2000, 30, 
31 years ago. Yes, uh, mate, 31 years ago. And you ended up doing five stints. I mean, so joining at 16, which I always think is young to join a massive... I mean, just your life must have changed overnight. I mean, I know you've been the face oh, of the girl. Oh, it's huge. But... I mean, I mean, it was huge. Remember, we only just launched Channel 4 around the same era. Um, so people already used to it. People used to, you know, sit down with a Sunday roast and watch EastEnders Omnibus. Yeah, because so, we was only on on a Tuesday and Thursday, you know. And you know what? Uh, Sorry, when we were... you. That was that's probably you know the start of binge watching, wasn't it? Really, you know, like we. Yeah, I suppose in a way it was. Now. It was something. Yeah. That, it was something that most families had on in the background, and they always go oh, EastEnders Christmas specials and Christmas Day Queen's Speech and EastEnders sort of goes hand in glove, um, and that's what people did. And I remember thinking, wow, man. I'm on EastEnders, and I was like, I'd done Grange Hill, I'd done, I'd worked for Melvin Bragg, I'd worked for so many people, worked for Angela yeah. Weber, loads of people along the way. Um, but to walk onto that square and be Phil and Grant's little sister, and to work with Sid, and I just grew up in front of the nation, and and I feel yeah. blessed for that. And like you said, you did Grange Hill. We'll talk about all the other stuff you've done after, actually. But because was it at Boreham Wood at that point as well? Yeah, next door studio, yeah. next door, <laughs> and I which is now Holby City. Yeah, no, I would say I remember doing, I did some work experience on Grange Hill and I, even though Grange Hill was oh, cool, wow. I used to remember just seeing EastEnders and it was like the, because you were in Borenwood, you were in the gates and you could see out yes. the square. You probably had the same feeling when you did Grange Hill. It's like, I want to get there. <laughs> yeah, I did. I used to manifest it before I even knowing what that was. I used to sit and watch it at home think, I'm going to be on that. I'm going to be on that. And then I did the roller skating extra bit. And then a few years later, I cast 1,500 girls submitted for, for Samantha Mitchell. Um. And all I was really worried about is that I was going to get to snog Sid Owen. I was well excited. And um, that was all I was really worried about. And didn't he say something like, uh, when I was doing my research, did he say something like, she's a, she's a bit of all right, she could be sad. She's a bit all right, you'll do. He went to me, you'll do. I said, yeah, <laughs> but will you do? <laughs> <laughs> was that in the screen test then? So you got down, obviously, to the last few and did screen test with Sid, did you? No, I didn't do screen test with Sid. I did the screen test um, with Michelle Gale. Oh, okay. Oh, Michelle Gale. Yeah. There's yeah, like Sid was out. supposed to be on set, but he was already next door in the cafe eating because we used to have a little tea bar up on the first floor oh, there above said, the section. You saying that, I must get her on the podcast next series, actually. I used to love Michelle Gale. Yeah, you must, you must get Sid on. I told Sid I was coming on. He was like, tell him, yeah. Yes, yeah, so I must get Sid quite a few years ago now. I actually went on the holiday to Sid's place in France. Yeah, I'm going this year, hopefully. Oh, are you? Oh, my God, it's gorgeous. Yeah. It's so nice. Michelle Gale, that song, Sweetness, will always be one of my favourite songs. So, uh, Oh, yeah, but you can't beat Sid on the beach singing his song. Oh, well, you, well, I know. I mean, you can't beat it, but not in a kind of brilliant way. If that's, I mean, It was like such a non-Peter Andre moment. It was It great. was, it was <laughs> though, yeah. He's brilliant. So, yeah. right, so I always do a little quiz, and we kind of answered the first question just to go through storylines. So go for it. easy to start with. I mean, you'll get all of these because they're all quite, they're so profound all the moments with Sam Mitchell. Who did Sam elope with to Gretna Green to get married? Ricky to? Butcher. There we go. Sid Owen, the man himself. And yep, and we got 28 million viewers for that. 28 million viewers. And yeah, you, you and Sid, I think, it doesn't happen very often. And actually, Sid's been very lucky it happened twice with him because him and Patsy yeah. were brilliant as well. But you were a brilliant couple together. Is it when you're making something and you're with, with someone and the chemistry's there, it must be just electric. We grew up together and then, uh, you know, Patsy come along and the three of us grew up together and Martin with us as well, Martin McClutchon with us as well. Uh, and we grew up together on the screen and Sid and I, you know, Sid and I went through stuff together. Like, you know, I had my first boyfriend. I used to talk to Sid about it, Offset. I learned to drive and the first person that saw me when I passed my test was Sid. You know, it was Ricky. So, you know, we were that close because he used to pick me up, take me to work every day. Um, 
we were on a holiday together. We did so much together over the years, and we still do. When I found out I was ill, um, when I had the cancer cells a few years ago, Sid was straight on the phone. He's like, I'll get a plane. I'll come and look after you. Yeah. He's my mate. And, that, and that's very right. special. And it, that plays out on screen. And I, ha- I also have that connection with Steve and, and Seema Fadden, Steve and, and Ross, and, with Bar- and the late, lovely Barbara, Dame Barbara. I was very lucky. You don't often get that with actors. No, you don't. And I think that that's why the Mitchells are a force to be reckoned with, because actually I always think that comes across on screen when you have a good relationship with people. Do you know what I mean? I always think that. But it must have been nice for you as well, being in it, going along that journey with other people your age. Yeah, it was wonderful, especially with a show that was really based at an old market. I think we sort of changed the genre with EastEnders there because they did sort of put a lot of pressure on pitching it on me and said running away to get married. And, and um, before that, it was all very much geared up around like, Pauline and, yeah. and and Kathy and older characters and, and and then like Sharon and Michelle and that and we were the new young young pups and they put quite a lot of pressure on that storyline to see if a younger generation would tune in so open their market a bit more um, and it was a big risk for the BBC and and you know and still here we are thirty years later talking about running off to Great Degree. I know it's fantastic and they also what it's I great. to an interview the other day actually with Michael Cashman. And, oh, uh, lovely. and I was really impressed, actually, him saying like the BBC took a massive risk because they were getting it was a time of AIDS being such a pandemic. And mm. people were saying, how can you have a gay man on EastEnders? So all credit, actually, for BBC for pushing those boundaries early on. Do you know what I mean? With things like oh, that. There's so many wonderful things I could say about the BBC. And I'm sure we'll get into those as we as we go through the interview. But, you know, they really are um a great organisation to be worked for. And I'm, I'm BBC homegrown, as you said, and, and Patsy. And, and loads more people, you know, Sharon, um, Letitia Dean and, and loads of us. Yeah. I'm very, very lucky for that. It's a blessing to me. Because as you well know, coming onto a show like EastEnders, we only get 15, 20 minutes tops these days to shoot a scene. Oh, yeah. Because we're yeah. working with three lots of directors. Each one's doing a set of four eps. Um, so we're jumping. Everything's out of continuity. Um, so if you come hit the ground running and work on a show like EastEnders, multi-camera, you multi-episodes, multi you know continuity multi different continuities and, and and stuff on a daily basis then you can do any job so it really is the greatest training for actors costume makeup camera directors great. it's the yeah. greatest job in the world well i've never said this before so for the listeners actually when i join because so the other states Corey and emmerdale it's multi-camera in the studio but then in the outside location it's kind of single camera I was shocked to the core when I got to EastEnders and outside was also multi-camera. It was like, oh my yes. God, this is going to be the fastest. You did, I mean, I don't know how many scenes you used to do a day. It used to be crazy. So, Well, if we're doing three, well, how many eps were you doing? Four eps? I think I was, yeah, four eps, yeah. You're doing a block of four. So you do a block of four and we're working with three directors a week because you all overlap. And, um, and also, obviously, the BBC, because there's no ad breaks, each episode is about five, six, seven minutes longer. So it yeah, because really you've got a full, you're getting a full half an hour experience. So, yeah, so we're doing what was, what was it, 16 eps a week. We're knocking out. So you imagine movie. 16 episodes is quite a long jump forward in storylining. Um, so we could be doing one thing in the morning, then jump forward 16 episodes later. I'll be doing something after lunch that's, that's well forward with a completely different director, then going back to the first lot. You know, so we're, yeah, as you well know, we're on golf buggies being thrown everywhere, travelling here. Yeah, it's great. Up. At least as an actor, you get a golf buggy. I used to always remember walking to the next set, seeing the, the cast whiz behind a golf buggy. I used to be like, oh, bloody hell. I used anyway. to always see you walking up to the lot with your big bag and all your yeah. files. Yeah, <laughs> sitting there. So next, right, next question on the quiz. On Sam's return in 1995, who was she caught in bed with by Phil and Grant? She was caught in bed with Bianca's dad. That would be David Wick. He yeah. stepped out in Spain, in Benidorm. 
Yeah, that was it. She was always in Spain. And uh, I mean, that's obviously was the beginning of... Oh, no, Tora Molina. Sorry, we was in. Tora Molina. I've got to get that right. But that that was the beginning of her and Bianca, kind of that great relationship, which was they absolutely detested each other, which is always brilliant. That was the first time we ever clapped eyes on each other on screen, yeah. And does it... I always... I ask this. Who did I ask this to? Someone else who was had a brilliant relationship in a soap. Is part of you, does part of you be, I mean, I'm not, I'm saying this in a fun way. It's yeah, like, how dare you have your hands on my man? Do you know what I mean? Because I think it's a bit like real life. Oh, yeah, it's great like that. We're like, it's like she's, you know, like when Sam came back all the years later and she just had the high heels and the big brassy coloured dress and she come back from Brazil with Ricky brought her back on a plane for my big return in 2010. And she just, it just was a shot on the feet and Bianca's face was like, oh, no, not you. Yeah, and I was just so yeah. smarmy. And we, and I love nothing more than a good roll around with Patsy Palmer fighting and hair pulling and all that for you at seven thirty on a on a on a Monday morning. You know, it's great. We love it on set, and, and we just live it, and it and it's wonderful. And, and that, Sid loves you know, the fact that there's women fighting over him. Yeah, yeah, it. yeah. And actually, you, I think you're in a unique position that probably you're the one of the only characters in so that got the fact that the audience w- really wanted him to be with Sam and Bianca. Do you know what I mean? It was a really hard choice who you wanted to... Yeah, they want him to be... I want him to be with Bianca. You know, I want him to be with Bianca, but I just want... I want him to round off that childhood. She's always going to have that. It was his first love and she was his first love and he was hers. So there's always that pull and Bianca hates that. Um, you know, and that follows through the whole family bloodline. Like, like, like Peggy will get her, used to get her back up about it and say, get, get out, Bianca, get out. It's yeah, family. yeah, yeah, yeah. Family. You know, and then Carol Jackson will go, oh, she's a cow, that's Sam Mitchell. Get in there and tell her, you know, smack her one. So, you know, we'd have all of that. And it, and it run through the whole family. And it's so true. Families are like that. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah, totally. And then there was Sid in the middle eating a sausage roll, you know, not, not bothered about any of it. <laughs> yeah, just not worried who he goes with in the end. So where but Ricky they... always seems to be eating. He always used to be eating back then. It was his character. I always had something. He was always the scene. He was always eating to make me hungry. Next question. Where did Peggy catch Sam before she arrives back on the throne in 2002? Lap dancing in Spain. Yeah, you're, God, you're good. But that wasn't me. That was Kim Metcalf. Um, oh, back in Metcalf in 2000. It was Kim, which was oh, wonderful because, yes. yeah, I had my daughter literally four months, five months before they decided they were going to definitely bring a Sam back. I think six months before they spoke to me, and I was like literally about three months before I gave birth. Just got into recovery that year. Um, and I said, listen, I just can't do it. And they said, well, given your track record, we can't really ask you back. So we are already recasting, but we want, oh, and it was John York rang me. And I've known John for years because he used to be the, he used to be working props years ago, um, and yeah. and and he said you know he rang me he said Dan I want to he was head of drama myself. for everyone yeah the- and he was head of continuing yeah. drama and stuff with, with Julia Crampsey and that and you know him and Julia called me and said look we're recasting duh, 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 duh. and I said well I wouldn't be able to do it. and they said well that's a blessing because we were dreading making the phone call we're not offering you it because you've been so ill every time the last few times you've come back and we do want to look after your safety in that first. Yeah. How do you feel about it? And I said, you know what? You've just taken the decision out of my hands. Yeah. Um. And you, and and I feel I can put that to bed. And one day, maybe if anything ever comes around, I hope we can all sit down and have dinner and have a lovely time about it. And you know, and, and look at the lovely memories. They said we just want you to. You're doing so well. We want you to do well. We just can't take another risk on. on no right. one could trust Daniela Westbrook. They couldn't. Um. And they couldn't take a chance on me, Lee. And and that was. And I've never spoken about this 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 openly um and it was a blessing for me and it enabled me to stay it enabled me to put my recovery first to stay 14 years clean and I said whoever you choose I wish them 
immense luck and love along the way and I should be watching and and I remember seeing Kim for the first time on the red carpet at the Tricks um the Trick Awards for people that don't know at like awards we, we hold in London and I was presenting the award to EastEnders and she had been a long time out of EastEnders by then and I'd never seen her and I, I went up to her red carpet as, as she was going off I was walking on and um I said Kim um I just wanted to say well done at the part and I know you took a lot of you know, backlash and everything for, for stepping in. I said, but you've done a fantastic job. You're a very talented actress and and thank you for keeping Sam alive, keeping her going. And she was a little bit taken back. She said, oh, thank you so much. And then um, I think about three weeks later, because I saw Deirdre at that, I met Deirdre there, but about three weeks later they called and said, do you want to come back to the show? Um, and that was when my big return was in 2010. And that's lovely you say that. And I think it's great you say that because, again, we know our press run away with things and obviously they always want the... They want their they want it all to be nasty, things. you know. Of course. Yeah. And, I mean, to be honest as well, what was brilliant at that is kind of it doesn't work a lot of the time. But actually, Kim was great as Sam, but it was almost like it was... It kind of worked her... It being Too her hard for again. Her. Do you know what I mean? It's like she almost... It was hard, it was hard for her to come in and play a character that had grown of up course. in the nation. With, with alongside Sid, you know, it was, it was never, no matter how great an actress you could be, Sid and I grew up together. We had that yeah. chemistry that's just there. And I think, you know, they had great chemistry, but there wasn't that history. You know, people wanted to see the Ricky and Sam they wanted to see. Of course. And all, all, all respect and power to the BBC for letting me go away for 14 years and get well. We'll come to all of that. and But I think what's nice is that she did fill the gap really nicely because, you know, they brought back Michelle Fowler and that just did not work at all, I don't think. Um, Michelle Fowler, but it was somebody else. Yeah, a couple of years ago, yeah. And again, <laughs> I can't remember the name of the actress, but she was a great actress. But again, it just didn't work. But that's what I mean. For, for some reason, Kim did work in that kind of bridge that you wanted she did. to back. Do you know why else as well? I think because Kim's um, a very a theatrical trained actor. Um, so she's very versatile. But she, um, I think the fact that she was working with fantastic people alongside, alongside Stevie and Barbara, that sort of bedded her in really fast. And because That's EastEnders, funny. as you know, runs at such a fast pace, you have to bed in fast. If oh, you don't yeah, bed yeah, in yeah. fast, you're gone. So she, she, she's used to doing theatre. She's used to picking up and turning around things quick. So she just hit the ground running and she did a great job. But it just was, Deirdre wanted it to be me. And once I proved to be well enough for long enough, it, it, it came back and I was allowed to, to, to remold Sam and bring her back, which was oh, great. The nation did rejoice. But let's move to Barbara. Yeah. But you obviously yeah. work with Barbara. I mean, and let's just spend this moment going. I mean, God, she was such an incredible woman, wasn't she? Just... Oh, she's my life. She was my, my, you know, my queen. But I miss her all the time. It gets me upset just thinking about it still. I, um, I kind of still feel will. that she's... Do you feel sometimes that she's still looking over you, after you? you all the time. Mean? All the time. I mean, you sent me a link the other day and said to do the to do the trailer for the podcast. And you said, "Can you write? You need just say the opening bit." Now, I'm not one to gossip, and I could hear Bar in my head going, "Now, yeah. I'm not one to gossip, darling." And yeah. I can, uh, darling, like that little voice, like that. And I could hear her go, "This say you want to do it." I'm not one to gossip, darling, but you know, and I could just hear Barbara because I'm doing it as a Sam Mitchell, and 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 she would have traits of Bob of, of, of Peggy in her. So that's why I did it. I picked it up that way. Plus, I could hear Bar like still training me from from upstairs. And the little feet. I always remember the little feet. I mean, obviously, again, when I joined the director, it was a 
huge moment. I'd actually worked with her before on the holiday programme. I went to Cyprus with her and Scott, actually. Oh, OK. Um, but I, I didn't know her really well, but we always got on, and that's she picked me to come back and do it. Uh, but I, what I loved about it, and I remember when she left, I said, they'll miss you so much because you're it's there's not many of uh, the best things she ever said to me but when I saw in Panto there was a million people obviously outside and she signed every autograph and I said god Bob mm. I do that every night and she said darling you know what these are the people that make me and the pe- I'll never that's what I always say never said no to one autograph in my life and I just said to her you know what that it doesn't exist people like you anymore do you know what I mean who yeah she out. taught me that she Barbara taught me that I remember walking uh getting home with my when I when I come back to do um I went back and I did dance on ice and then I went away and then I come back to do something else and then I went back again. I stayed at Scott and Bars because I was living in I was living in LA. So I flew over and Bars like, oh, just come and stay with me and, and Scott. So I stayed with them for a couple of weeks because I didn't want to stay in the older hotel in, in Boreham Wood. Um, and, I, you know, you know what it's like at bar. You'll go anywhere, Barbara. If you've got a reservation at nine o'clock, get there at half seven because the whole room oh, wants yeah, to yeah. meet Barbara Winter. <laughs> and, and Barbara, and we used to say that we're booked in for half seven, bar, And so she'd be ready at quarter to six, you know, quarter yeah. to six to go. And she'd be tapping the finger. I'm thinking, we're not eating till nine. She's going to go fucking crazy. But, you know, we'd get somewhere and it'll be Alaba, Alaba, Alaba. And she was always very gracious in everybody she met. She didn't walk in a room and expect everyone to go this Barbara Windsor. She walked in, and if they did, she was gracious to everybody. And she taught me, uh, she taught me how to be humble. She taught me gracefulness. She, she taught me how to just not read anything in the media, just get on and do do the bloody job, as she would say. Yeah. Um, yeah. And she said, you know, and I always think it's people. She said, know your market, sweetheart. You know your market. And I said, well, what do you mean, but She went, know your market. She said, your market are working class, good wholesome people that are people that are when you're in shows like Big Brother and all that she said that they're the ones voting for you the people that are out there only in a living seven days a week people yeah. like us you know and I was like yeah I get that people like us that aren't from a privileged background um and I used to say how do you do it by you know you, you go home you learn 50 pages a night easy between 30 and 50 pages running the Vic like the, the big lump big lumps of dialogue she used to have to learn as you well know and she would be attention to detail, but then we'd go and get a sandwich around the corner or nip into M&S. And again, it would take us an hour and everyone would be, beep, beep, hello, bar, black cabbies. And that's hello, darling, hello, darling. Yeah. Walk through the front door, kick her shoes off, she'd go throw that kettle on, I'm, I'm parched. And I'd be like, how do you do? go from Barbara Winter to Babs? You know, she was like, because that's just life, customer facing, just be nice to everyone. It doesn't cost anything to be nice. Totally and utterly. And I just loved the fact that, like you said, she was always on time. She knew her ways. And I think the reason yeah. she managed to do it is because she absolutely loved it as well. She loved her job. She lived for it. She lived for it. And she had a long time in the wilderness. Yeah. And, doing, that, you know, I think rep and a one woman show and stuff like that. So when she got the call in for EastEnders and, you know, and Steve McFadden says to me, we said, when she got that call in, she, she grabbed it and she run with it. She made, she changed Albert Square. She changed EastEnders. Oh, totally. Just her presence and that character changed EastEnders. As you well know, as a director and directing her, every photograph above the Vic, she'd get pictures of us as kids. Adam copied, paste, put together with the props department so it looked like a family photograph. Yeah. Smallest of details. You know, when we read on the Vic after the fire, when Sharon got caught above the Vic in the fire years ago, Barbara went to East End pubs and 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 had, with, the, with, the, with, um, with the props department, people from props and art and design, and she said, right, this is how an East End pub looks and this is the sort of curtains you want and this is da-da-da-da. And she did the whole thing. I don't know many actors that would do that. She loved the job. Yeah. And she wanted, the, wanted people at home to feel like it was 
the East End. And also, I think... And, that, and that's and we'll, something special. It is something special. And we'll come to... We'll talk in a minute about in depth about you. you but I think that shines through in you, actually, that because she had hard times. She struggled. And I think acting-wise as well, that's what's missing from younger people. You almost need to tread the boards. You need to work your way up. You need... Everyone yeah. knows through problems. And she almost needs to have problems in the public as well. Like you and I think it's made you a stronger fighter, probably knowing someone like that. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Do you know what? She was my mum on EastEnders and she was my friend in life and, and, and she'll always be, you know, a hero to me uh, and a mentor to me. But I'll always look to the advice Barbara Windsor gave me. Um, I get choked even talking about it. But I, know, I remember yeah, sitting, I in, I was sitting in makeup, you can hear it, me, but I was sitting in makeup one day and you know what our makeup room was like. So me and Bar, everything we did, did together. We had lunch together, we did lots together. We went out together on holidays together. We were very close. Um, and obviously, because Scott's a long time in recovery, so I, I had that we used to do a lot of meetings that was Scott so anyway we sat in makeup one day and I've got all the freaking heated rollers in as you will remember Lee sitting there yeah, for an hour and a half yeah. putting Sam's face in the face was going on and bars in there doing a bit running like we're running our lines and our scripts and stuff ready people are in and out Stevie walks in sits down gets a bit of powder and he went he just looked over and he just went with his laugh and I went we both went what are you laughing at what's the matter with you now like that and he and he said you two he said two peas in a pod he said, yeah. I said, what do you mean? He said, does it not bother you that your life is morphing into mothers? Because we still call her mother. I went, what do you mean? He went, gangster boyfriends, <laughs> hard times, this, that, the other. He said, comebacks. He said, the pet between the two of you have had more comebacks than Madonna. Well, <laughs> we just looked at him and went, Bob, went, you cheeky sod, you know. But he's right. You know, my life, our life has got parallels. But, you know, she was just a phenomenal actress. And I, I just... I just was the luckiest girl in the world to have that lady play my mother because I learned yeah. so much. And I feel the same. I'm privileged just to have known her and worked with her. Directed her and stuff I've as well. My, I've got the book she gave me when we went to Cyprus and she did this page of writing. Um, and yeah, it's on my the coffee table now because I'm like, she would just had, she just, yeah, yeah. just a brilliant, gorgeous woman who the world definitely. She was the last, last of a breed of, 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 um, of what I call stars. She was, oh yes, totally. And That's what I, I call think, a star. And I can hear her laughing now. And it's one of those people you know, yeah. always, you know, we'll always talk about, we'll always love. Yeah. And, and at least what I love is at least she knew, you know, there's certain people who whose lives end early or lives end and they oh, don't know. Oh, she knew, love, she knew, you know. She knew how much she was loved, which I love. Do you know what I mean? Because she was Listen, if we hadn't been, I truly do believe if there hadn't been a COVID pandemic, um, that the funeral would have been huge. And I think they would have had to have done a procession through the East End of London, no matter oh, where I they would agree, have gone, Barbara. Definitely. And yeah. people would have come out on the streets and went goodbye to Bob, you know, Dame Barbara Windsor. But I, I mean, no, she, would have, a, she would have loved that. She would have been oh, she'd right? have been there, you know, if that coffin lid could have swung open, she'd have been going, hello, darling, to everybody. Yeah, she would have, yeah, I know. <laughs> she would um, have been. So, yeah, Barbara, rest in peace. We love you so Yeah, we love you. Much. I love you, Mum. Um, yeah. But obviously, you've been vocal about, you obviously had, we, the nation knows you've talked about it, uh, you obviously went through a drug addiction for many years and that played a... Huge. Even, a, even, huge. Up until re- even up until a few years ago when I relapsed and got well. Um, so the first question really, what I would say, what would the Daniela today now say to the Daniela when it started? Um, I should have spoke up really when I, when I was a kid and I had stuff going on within the industry. Um, and, and I was first given given drugs. I should have spoke up then. But and I used it as my band-aid because some people use alcohol first thing or some people gamble. Some people have, have got different things going on with them. When so when they hit trauma, a form of trauma. 
you know, my trauma started well before I ever went into EastEnders. And my using started on and off well before I was in EastEnders. EastEnders and the money that I earned just highlighted it. So today, what would I say to a a child then? I'd just say, speak up. Speak up. You know, if you're in a situation, if if you... something inside you feels wrong even as an adult even as a child as young as a kid crawling let's say it knows right from wrong it knows something's hot if you say to a child by the time you're no 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 it's hot yeah they'll remember that that's that's going to burn you that's hot 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 um they know that's hot so you get that gut instinct about something um what i would say to me back then was i should have trusted my gut instinct I should have trusted certain things and known that those sort of people, I should have, I wish I had a better intuition then. Yeah. Trust your intuition because your gut will never, you know, steer you wrong. And if something feels wrong and seems wrong, nine out of ten times it's wrong. And we have to think back then as well, we're living in totally different times because it wasn't, you know, cocaine wasn't as widely thought about, or, you know, seen and depression. It was a, posh, it was a you know, it was a yuppie type champagne and cocaine drug it, it wasn't like in your local pub and like you said earlier you were growing up in the public eye so as well as again of course you want the natural instinct in all of us is to please people and be liked so why of in course. a way you go well of course you why you know you say talk about it but obviously it's quite because then you you would have been feeling like well I don't want people to know do you know what I mean I want to yeah of course of course but also it was like you know you've got to remember at 15 at 16 17 years old my friends are at college you know and getting their first boyfriend and I'm out you know at the Brits with, with George Michael. Of course, yeah. Partying with George Michael. Like, my life was completely different. So the people that we were all surrounded with as celebrities were very hugely influential. So if they're doing it, you do it. You know? And then, and then Daniela, being on, I think one of the biggest things, and this is still a problem in many walks of life with the press, um, mm. is, you know, the effect, the damaging effect it must have on your mind when you are your front page, you know, for something that's actually really you know, people should be helping and you must just think everyone's looking at you, everyone's talking about yeah. you. And that must well, be I think, horrific. I think you're, yeah, well, it is, but I think your ego is so big by that time anyway, your ego's gone, that if it wasn't front page, you'd be devastated. Oh, um, right. okay, right. So, so uh, that's you know, that's isn't it? That shows, I suppose, the level of what, how you feel differently now. Do you know what I mean? The fact that... Yeah, that's hugely, that's... hugely. But let me tell you, the BBC kept so much out of the press. They, they protected me so much and gave me so many chances when I was a kid. You know, that you know, they they are hugely protective and amazing organization, as are most big channels, ITV, Channel yeah. they're all they're all very good. But the BBC was was something different, um, obviously because we are British Broadcasting Corporation, the biggest worldwide. Um so you know, I did get saved a lot. But uh, when I was first very young, I used to think, Oh no, front page, you know, my poor mum and dad. And then when my ego overtook me and then my addiction overtook it, and then you know. I didn't care how I got the money. I was selling stories left, right and centre on yeah. myself. I'll be honest with you, I was. I, was, I mean, up until a few years ago when I was living out in Spain, I was in the Daily Mail every day doing something ridiculous, you know. And I look now and my toes are literally gripping the carpet, cringing what yeah. I was doing. But I had an addiction. I needed to pay for it. And like you said, um, I suppose when you get, like once you've been on the front page, then it's almost like the circle of shame. It's like, oh, well, I've been on the front page. So it doesn't matter if I'm on the front page again for something bad. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but the, how bad is that? But that's when you know your addiction terrible, yeah. Horrible. The circle of shame. And then, to, and then to use that to your advantage and let people literally, I mean, it'd be easier to just like put my arm out and let a vampire suck, on the, suck the blood out of my neck. Because yeah. that's what all I was doing really was I might as well just put an IV and let them drain the blood out of me. Because I sold my soul, my life, my my everything other than my body, you know. It, I was at that point. 
well, addiction the, was that, that bad for me. Yeah, it's you, but it's we always say like there's no one worse. The, the, your worst enemy is you. But also, I think for people listening, oh, of have an addiction or anything. I think when I heard about this, actually, you think you've heard this phrase, circular shame. And people, I think, wonder why, well, why do people keep going, doing the same thing? And it is because... You know what? There's circular shame because you feel like, well, I've done it, so I'm just, I need to make, you know, like, I'm useless, I'm worthless, so I'm just going to carry on doing it kind of thing. Which, and do you know why? Because you've so badly misused your circular trust that you don't have one. Yeah, yeah. All you have is your circular shame, so you might as well just sit right in the middle of it and keep spinning. And keep spinning, exactly. And that's a thing important for people listening to think, right, it's just taking that step of stopping that circle. Do you know what I mean? Don't make it... Yeah, I mean, and it's having... Um, believe in yourself. I mean, if you put as much effort into getting well as you did going out and scoring, you'd be flying. You know, you'd be doing so well. You'd get clean within weeks. You know, people at the height of their addiction or alcoholism, if you put enough effort into staying straight and clean and what and, and, and it, say you put enough effort into a 12-step program or whatever way you're getting well as you did into getting that glass of uh, you yes. know that bottle of bottle of vodka or scoring from your dealer or, or finding someone that was up at three o'clock in the morning to get something from if you put that much effort that you did to that into your recovery then how well would you be because yeah. look how sick you got from doing it I know, and that's the that's the thing. It's looking, but that, as we know, it's so hard. But I mean, for you, I mean, I think it's inspirational. Obviously, that you fight back, you fought back a lot of times, which I think is so inspirational. But I mean, when say, obviously, everyone knows as well. publicised about you knows as well. But did because I think that's the thing that people would go. Was that surely not the end? Do you know what I mean, no, Lee, no, it wasn't because I was such a bad addict. Yeah. And I was hell bent. I was that circle of shame was so bad for me. All I wanted to do was not be here anymore. And that was my not a cry for help. That was my middle finger up at the world, going, "I don't care." Yeah, and that's as put it all over your papers. I am a drug addict. I am in so much shame and remorse and and hate for myself. I'm not out of self pity. Poor me. I am on self destruct, and I'm not going to stop until I get there. To the point that my face is. Is absolutely gone. It's disintegrating. I don't care. This is how much I hate my life. I hate myself. You know, and then I had a real realization, awakening. I got well. I stayed well for 14 years, you know, and I had a lot go on. And then again, this time around, with, with different surgeries that have gone wrong for me, and how I look now today, I look in the mirror and I think, I hated myself. I hated myself, hated myself, hated myself. And I reused, I went out and used and relapsed. And this time around, I got well. And I'm like, you know what, Dan, this is how you look. Invest in your health, get well. I'm out running, I do things, I do a lot of meetings, I, I sponsor people, I do the right thing. Um, and all of my health will come together because now once COVID's lifted, you know, I can go out and have the operations that I need to get better, but I will have had a lot of recovery time yeah. this time around to come back and look well again. I, I might not have had that. No, I and I think every it? day is a good, and the thing is, that's the thing, everyone in life, I think, you, it's constantly, you have to accept the new you, do you know what I mean? It's like, we could all We're go, constantly evolving. If, if I hadn't done that, I might have done this or whatever. Shoulda, woulda, coulda, Lee. Yeah, in the end, you can't The last words are awful. Well, I mean, all, honestly, all credit to you, because I think you are such an inspiration, and you, you publicly, in a way, had to, because you've been forced into the limelight, which definitely... Whether I mean, we obviously know people go through this without being in the limelight, so obviously it happens, but it's like I think you being so open about it is so brilliant because people see that and really respect it. And I think it's honestly, you're one of the bravest and most, you know, the, it's just amazing. I'm in awe of you, honestly. Thank you. Thank you so much. You're a yeah. diamond. But I'm like, do you know what? I've got two kids and I've got parents that love me and two kids that love me and need me. And I, 
I've got, you know what I've got today? I've got life. And I exactly. I never realised before that how, what a gift my life is just to be out, to be able to go out and run and walk. And I did a live today and I've got a babbling brook, you know, we all live out in the countryside, but I've got a babbling brook in my, in my garden where I rent the house that I rent in a farm. Um, and I just did a meditation today and I, I did a live on, on one of the social platforms and I just put it on. I said, this is for anybody today that can't leave the house. If you're shielded, yeah. you don't have anywhere outside of a, a city to go or you're disabled, you can't get out. Just join in, watch. This is my my outdoor space. I hope it brings you a bit of positivity. And you know, it's just it's called growing up and getting older. Yeah, and it's about, like, like you've now learned, you've now changed, you've learned about these, you know, other things. exciting. And also I think the one good thing to come out of this pandemic, I think, is everyone's been forced into this same situation of being have, having to reevaluate everything. And I think most people have probably gone through some kind of mental issues, which I think actually has brought a nation together because everything it has. I've seen people change what they're going to do now because things are so superficial to some people and, and it shows how important friendships are because we haven't seen our friends for so long. And I just think it's it's put all the, all the nation on this even kill of, you know what? All respect to people who's gone through much worse than me, but actually God, life can be bloody hard. Do you know what I mean? And so I think the one good thing we should all take away is, look, we've all had to reevaluate ourselves, look at each mm-hmm. other, care for each other and be there and not be, you know, I mean, it's still going to happen. So selfish. Yeah, it's still going to happen, like with Caroline Flack, which will be one of the biggest disasters, I think, yeah, ever. And, you know, I just think this pandemic has allowed people to think, right, God, if I was in that position, imagine, because I'm in a bad place just being at home, you know. so And Mickey Norcross, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, just, it's just such a huge thing. And so many hundreds of thousands of people have done the same. And I just look and think, do you know what? It's not about being an influencer and changing people's lives by sitting on a beach in Dubai going, you can have a life like mine. And da, da, da. It's not about that. It's about people saying to your neighbour next door, you okay? Have you got me or do you need exactly. something? Oh, yeah, good morning. It's about, it's about actually living. And I think the pandemic has made Britain great again because in a way, as much as it's done so much tragedy to so many people we're actually got more of a community base totally. um, we actually know people that live next door to us we're actually talking to each other we're actually got respect for each other in a way if we are we've been told to socially distance we're doing it we're yeah, wearing masks exactly. we've got respect starting to grow respect for each other again but and whether that really because need, you're selfishly because you don't want to catch covid or whatever but we're actually doing it we're respecting other people's space which we wasn't before as hard as it's been i think it's brought us together which is great it has Okay, so EastEnders done so you were born in walthamstow but grew up in essex uh yes cab driver originally your mum a shop assistant so you kind of were a East End girl. I mean, how do you think growing up? Did you always want to be an actor? You obviously joined the kind of show oh, yeah. quite young. Yeah, I did. I wanted to be a. I wanted to be an sh- international show jumper. Oh, wow. I read you were horse ju- uh, horse riding and stuff. Yeah, I've always ridden horses. I'm looking at the moment for a new one. Um, only to yeah. loan because I'm up here because obviously I'm planning to move to Yorkshire later in the year. Yeah. So um, I'm only looking to loan one here for the you know for the up and coming. The next three or four months. And then you went to Sylvia Young Theatre School and you had people... I did. ...like Denise and Alton, Danny Bear, Nicholas Stoughton with you. It's quite... Like, all in my class. All, I know, all it's quite amazing. What a yeah. cool class. And then, it, then I had Emma Bunton, two years under me, with um, Nicole Appleton and Melanie Black, Nat Appleton a year, and Sam Janice a year above me. Um, and then who was above us? Letitia Dean, Adam Woodjet, Nick Berry. 
Well, and does it, is um, it kind of... Only one ass was underneath us. I always think, is it kind of nice, the fact that everyone does well, or does it make it even oh, more kind of competitive in a way? Do you know what I mean? No, it's, there was no a one bit of competitiveness at Sylvia Young's. If, if we were like that and bitchy, we were out. She right. will not suffer that. Oh, she won't suffer nice. bullying. She doesn't do eating disorders. She doesn't do bullying. She doesn't do competitiveness. You're in it together. We was a family. I mean, from children, that school started at seven years old and went up to 16. And when I was there, I think the most kids in the whole school we had was 98. Wow. In the whole school. I mean, at one point, we did a whole a whole half a year, so a whole two, two terms, um, and I only had nine people in my class my whole year. Wow. <laughs> it was very, very small, and now it's a huge, great big, you know, school and organisation. And, and that's another thing, you know, another blessing that I had. I worked from, from day one, and as much as I had a lot of trauma with some stuff that went on um, with work, I, I did some amazing work and I've worked with the most amazing people. I worked with, with Freddie Mercury, I worked with Whitney Houston, George Michael. I've worked with so many people. I've worked with you. Who's, who's George Michael, Whitney Houston, and his Lisa? <laughs> exactly. I mean, you know, who needs it's Freddie Mercury? When you you step back. I do the same. I step back and go, God, I work with all those people. You know, it's, incre- it's, it's amazing, isn't it? When you think about yeah, it. Yeah, it is. It is amazing. And, and then that's about like sports people. I've met royalty and you know, I've been graced to do, I've done garden party cabarets I've done, at, the, at the Palace. I've done, wow, well, I've done role variety performances and, you know, I've worked for Angela Weber. I've done lots of different stuff. Because you went, you were in the West End as well in Joseph and the amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Um, mm-hmm. I, I mean, again, so many people's dream just step foot in the West End on a stage. I mean, you did oh. at a young age. Who was, a, who, yeah. was, who was Joseph when you were in it? It was Mike Holloway, who I just, who I still speak to. I, I do a radio, SH radio show with him. Oh, um, okay. That was years um, before the Jason era of Joseph. Oh, Pesci. God. Yeah, that was before Jason and Kylie. I don't even think they was on Neighbours then. God. They might have been on Neighbours, but they weren't married. They didn't do the whole Scott and Charlene wedding. It hadn't happened then. I think Denise and I were, how old was we? Because I did Joseph with Den. Um, I think me and Den were probably 12 when we did Joseph in London. Oh, wow. I did. I've done the Palladium, Royal Varieties. I've done all sorts. I've done Jesus Christ Superstar. I've done all sorts of stuff in London. Yeah, yeah. and all over. I know you've done all sorts of stuff everywhere. And then you've obviously Loads done... of pantos and stuff. I mean, to be honest, I had to... When I was making my notes, you know, like some people on this, it's quite easy. And on some people, you and Sue Johnson, for instance, I'm like, oh, my God, I've done too bloody much. <laughs> yeah, so I've done a lot of work. And my son poked rang me the other day and he was like, Mum, I've just found out a fun fact about you. I was like, okay, it's only taking you till you're 25. And this is a bright, this is a bright child we're talking about. He went, was you in a Freddie Mercury video? Was you in a video for Queen? I went, yep. He's like, oh my God, I found the clip. And he posted it on social media. I was like, Kai, he's like, listen, you're always posting me and making me cringe. I'm going to make you cringe. I mean, I have to, people will kill me if <laughs> I don't still follow cool. up on those then. So just in, tell me, if you say Freddie Mercury, what, what video were you in for Queen? Um, oh, it wasn't a big one. It was called The Invisible Man. Oh, okay. Well, no, I've heard of that. That's a bit. What about Whitney? Yeah, uh, Whitney, I did at the, um, the Royal Albert Hall for Feed the World. Um, she sang "We Are the World" that song, and um, she came on and she did the main the thing there, and we all sang as a choir. Oh wow! All gospel choirs and Sylvia Young choir, That's and we amazing. all come on and she come on and sang that with um, I think Tony Bennett, uh, quite a few people. And then what about George Michael? 
George Michael I used to just be friends with for oh, quite okay. a long, many, many years. Yeah, many years. And we launched the Rainbow Trust together. Oh, okay. With oh, Helen okay. with uh, Helen Worth. Amazing. Oh, a lovely Helen Worth. Oh, brilliant. Yes, Amazing. fabulous actress. I mean, yeah, and, and Julie like, Waters. Julie no. Waters was with us. Um, all the hardships. Joanna Lumley. All the hardships you've had, what an amazing still, like to look back. I mean, I think it's, I always say that to people, it's grabbing onto the good things and how many good things there are. Do you know what I mean? It's incredible. Oh, amazing. I mean, Sid and I presented Top of the Pops Christmas special with Mariah Carey. I it? remember that. I found, I found Do that. Do you remember funny. that? Yeah. I mean, I was a yeah. big... That's what I mean. Like, honestly, when I first met you on EastEnders, and it's so bizarre. I mean, I was like, so Glynis Barber was my big celebrity crush when I was young. So now oh, I'm best friends with her, which is mad. And because EastEnders was, and I suppose you and... Uh, Send her my love. You and Sid, I will. You and Sid were kind of like the people when I was younger that you look up to a bit. Do you know what I mean in the show? So like meeting yeah. you on that, when I said about the first day with the Mitchells, you you were the, probably one I was most nervous about because you were the one I probably, before I was going, this fancy years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Sad Mitchell. Oh, I love you. Sad Mitchell is the, is the biggest bitch. And that's why I love, I mean, I, I, you know, EastEnders is pretty much done for me, for Sam, you know. But um, and there's other things that you know, I want to do and I, I want to go back and do theatre and that. But there's never a time that I, I would be very torn if they said to me now, do you want to come back for, even if for a little while, Sam? Because I just love being Sam Mitchell. Because part of you go, God, something like that that triggered so much. Do you know what I mean? Would going back in a way be healthy? Could it be a trigger, the kind of EastEnders? It's not a trigger for me. It's not a trigger for me. It's, um, in fact, when I went back in 2010, when I met you, um, and I've been clean over 10 years. Yeah. Nearly 10 years. It was uh, my 10 year when Deirdre brought me back for the return of Sam Mitchell. And they did the BBC program about it, the return of Sam Mitchell. We did a commercial for BBC One for it. Um, I was very, very well for another seven years after that. You know, it, it was a long time. Um, it wasn't that at all. It, it, it's not a trigger for me. I, it's, it's when I'm not working, I haven't got something going on in my life I feel less than and, and that's one of my big triggers yeah. when I'm working I'm buzzing because and also what you've got to remember is I'm 40, nearly 48 so for oh me God the clubbing right. days and stuff are well behind me like yeah. if I go to events now I literally turn up do the dinner do the red carpet do the dinner do what I'm expected to do I'm contracted to do and I leave you I don't love anymore. Well, I you'll find out when you move to Yorkshire. We just turn our lounge into a dance floor, so you'll be around dancing. Yeah, that's what we. <laughs> that's what I'm used to doing. I, I listen. I lived in Scouseland long enough in Liverpool, and when when COVID happened, you know what I mean. We used to dance in the kitchen, so and that was it. You know, but we used to all have the music on. We'd have a, one of those Zoom parties. Everybody yeah. would have music on. We'd all have a Zoom party from our kitchens, and it was great. You know, us in our house, them in their house, and then we don't want to be like chatting away. You know, but um, I just. I don't know. For me, I love EastEnders. I love Sam. I love her. But for me, my dream is, is Emmerdale. That's my dream job. Yeah, that and Strictly. That and Strictly so is my like, dream. Like the campaign with Barbara when she was on The Big Breakfast, we can start a Soap in the Box campaign to get you into Emmerdale. I'd love to be an Emmerdale man. So I'm a country on... girl. You know, you see where I live, but I'm a country girl. I ride horses. I'm, I'm a country girl. I'm a, a good, one of my school friends, Kevin Mathurin, is now in Emmerdale um, playing the vicar. Oh, okay. Brilliant. Well, we'll get yeah, so, well. Let, let, the campaign starts today to get Daniela West. Today, to in yeah, with Daniela yeah. Daniela in the Dales. We'll call the campaign. Daniela Dingle. Daniela yeah. Dingle. Um, yeah. And also, <laughs> obviously, we'll whiz through and mention because you did the Jungle, you did I'm a Celebrity, you did Dance and I. Did. Um, I mean, I'm a Celebrity. Just I. I mean, you because you left in the end, didn't you? That oh, I walked out after nine days. I was so spoiled. I was married to a millionaire. You know, I broke now, and I was like, "Get me the hell out of here." <laughs> But, you know, if I did it now, I'd be fine because I've been homeless. I've been, you know, 
I've been on death door and everything else since then. I couldn't ever do it. so nice that I just, I would give my absolute, I don't know, last penny. I'd give my left arm, you know, to go and do it again. Dance well, that's I, I, Are there any other reality shows you'd love to do? Strictly is my dream job. Strictly and Emma Dale are the two jobs I really, other than the things I'm casting for at the minute, I've got to, I'm shortlisted for two films at the moment. Um, British-wise, British-wise, I would love to do, um, I don't want to do like a Marcella or anything like that because I enjoy watching them, if that sounds weird. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, I don't like to do things that I enjoy watching, but soap-wise, I'm a soap actor. So for me, which I'm very proud of. Um, for me, it would be Emma Dale, and obviously it would have to be Strictly. Right, I would okay. love I mean, God, now we're to dance to on that. Campaigns. We'll start another Strictly one as well. Come on, Strictly. Yeah, I'd love to do Strictly, on. but I don't think they'll use me because they don't all tend to do people that have done Dance on Ice. Oh, you never know. Well, you never know. that we can still I start, don't know. We can still start the bloody campaign, Daniela. Yeah, and then we obviously we have to mention um, Hollyoaks as well, because you played Trudy Ryan in oh, Hollyoaks. I loved it. What I love about this is that, to be honest, I didn't watch you when you were in that. I didn't watch Hollyoaks. I mean, I worked on Hollyoaks. Again, you know what it's like. You can't. We're I quite can't old for Hollyoaks, you know. We're quite old to be watching Hollyoaks. I know. I felt old when I was there. So. You know what I mean, I was used to being yeah. the youngest and suddenly. But I mean, I loved her stories. You yeah. had an illegal vodka distillery. And I mean, I'm not saying this is in a love way. You also were involved in right. human trafficking. I mean, quite, you know, quite a bad. I, I was bringing women into was. the country. I was, I was blackmailing Jackie McQueen. I mean, who can Jack blackmail Jackie McQueen? No one. She was like the, the you know, the tough oh. girl. She was the chav of Hollyoaks, weren't she? And I was telling you about multi-camera. I mean, it must. It was a shock to me when I went to Hollyoaks. Well, I've done, oh, I've done wow. because again, people listening, it's single camera, the whole thing, which makes it look brilliant. But I was shocked just because you're like, what? How long is this taking? Were you the same? I, I, I was just dying on my feet. <laughs> I was like, I stood there first day. I went up to Brian. I went up to Brian Kirk, and I was like. Uh, it's, it's like this all, every day and he was like what do you mean I was like single camera because he come up and said let me know how your day went oh and I love it the cast are freaking amazing for a bunch of young people there's no bitchiness they they're just yeah. enthusiastic they're great their storylines are good um, the costumes good the makeup team are unbelievable they've got their own spray tan room I was like this is like heaven um, you know what? You know, I, I, mean, I shouldn't say this on the podcast. That's I've always had that idea as a business to do. I think posh hotels should have a spray, t- not even a spray, not a spray tan room actually, like a suntan lotion room where you just walk in and you get sp- yeah. suntan lotion. Because I hate bloody doing suntan lotion. Yeah, or body, or, or, or like an after body, after bath moisturizer. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's like now, we'll copyright that now, so no one out there. Can I stop think we it. should. Yeah, yeah, so, because otherwise, my friend Lawrence, who's got the Shankly and, and and stuff, he'll start doing it at his party hotel. Okay, well, Lawrence, so be doing me, it. my and Daniela's now idea. So if ever yeah. anyone does a sun cream room before you go in the sun, that's our idea. So that's another one yeah. to talk about. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, you were great in Hollyoaks and brilliant. Stuff I loved Hollyoaks. Brilliant to take on another part. Now, we're going to have to go. There's so much. You know what? We're going to have to do another episode with you because there's so much. <laughs> but I'm going to end with, obviously, EastEnders. Now, I didn't know half these. Is I mean, EastEnders is not famous for it, but the East End Cockney rhyming slang, which probably is going go to for it. Right. So uh, it, I'm going to test Daniela. Basically, I'm going to test you on what these mean. Some of them are brilliant. So army and I'll say in army and navy. Gravy. Yeah. Bees and honey. Money. Box of toys. Oh, box of toys. I oh, don't know. Stumped you. I was trying to stump you with these. Box of toys. I've got no idea. Box of toys. toys. Noise. Noise. Oh, I didn't ever heard that one. Go on. Box of toys. Duck and dive. 
Well, you're ducking and diving. Yeah, yeah. you're ducking and diving. It means you're, you're moving about. You're doing stuff. It's you know, not hide, but I think that's quite a weird one, isn't it? I've like, never heard of that. Nice. You're ducking and diving means you're, you're trying to get by in life. Um, I can't even read that one. Uh, lump, of, lump of lead. Dead. Bed. Your bed. You've got a bed. Head. Head. Lump of lead. Dead. I just said a Tilbury Dock socks. Tilbury Dock. Oily rag. I'm going yeah, for a oily rag. A fag. Yeah. A cigarette. Yeah. And a satin and silk. I need a pint of satin and silk. Silk and a pint of milk. Yeah. I mean, they're hilarious. I've got one for you, Lee. Go on. No Dalai Lamas. No Dalai Lamas. No dramas. No dramas, darling. Yes. <laughs> yes. Brilliant. Well, Daniela, yeah. it's been amazing to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so honoured to have to be on, especially with some of the people you've got on. I'm, I'm like, wow. Oh, I'm honoured to have you on. What do you mean? You are you you were the first in the trailer. <laughs> oh, bless you. No, no, amazing. And obviously so we're going to stay in touch now. It's so nice to be in touch with you. So I know everyone was so excited you coming on. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me and I hope to see you all soon. Love you lots. Love you too. Bye-bye. Thank you so much to Daniela Westbrook for coming on the podcast. It was an emotional podcast and an emotional journey for her. She's a fighter and a brilliant person, and I wish her all the best for the future. Remember, this series on Soap from the Box, there are two episodes every Sunday, and the other one this week is with the home and away legend, Lynn McGranger, who played Irene. Had to get up at 5.30 in the morning to do it, but it was well worth it, so make sure you listen to that. Thanks, as usual, to David Stevens and the Bothy for their edit and technical wizardry, and to Ian McCallum for all of his press help stay in touch with me all week at soap from the box on instagram facebook and twitter have a great week stay safe and see you next week Hold up. 